Welcome to Ideas Are Bulletproof, a production of the Press Pause Network. Sigh of um, frustration. Sigh of frustration. Yeah. Chris, Chris has been uh, attacked. Attacked. We'll start early. We'll preface. Chris has been afflicted by what we've collectively dubbed amongst the three of us as to be the real pandemic. This is the real pandemic. There needs to be a vaccine for this attack. As it, seeing as it's really seeing does. as it's struck both Chris and the tech guy John, we're. It's hard to deny that there is some kind of. What do you call it? Some racial undercurrent seething through. Mm, I never, I never really thought of it like that, man. I mean, uh, now that you brought it up, I'm not probably not qualified to quantify these things. But we've got two black guys in a room and one white guy, and I'm the only one without hay fever right now. I've gone out and enjoyed ah, the sun today. Hay fever. So I think it's uh, it's is worth a mention. You know, listen, it ruins every summer, every summer, every year. It ruins it, ruins it for the best chunk of the summer of what is supposed to be the summer, the biggest chunk. And then by the end of it, like the tech guy was saying, August, end of August is where <laughs> where it starts to calm down. And then, you know, the rain starts hitting thunder and all that and everything. But why is there not a vaccine for hay fever? I don't know. It doesn't really seem to be a... A reason why they couldn't do that. I mean, as you mentioned a minute ago, they can knock three, four, five vaccines for a, a novel coronavirus up in six months, ones that we you know we've never seen before. But the silent, not quite killer, but definitely aggravator that is hay fever seems to be able to just spread and and live a very merciless life, ripping through the uh, and and realistically when it's been as sunny as it has been for the last two days but you can't really enjoy them properly it's not nice it's, it's you know maybe you love dancing nurses for it though <laughs> some kind of there, there probably are somewhere in the world do you know what I mean? there's, there's got to be some kind of organization that we can raise <laughs> there are a clap you know can we have a a, a, a national clap for hay fever sufferers <laughs> Uh, <laughs> maybe there's there's a mural somewhere and it's just a, a, a screwed up can it be a seven though at seven o'clock i don't like all this sixes and you know oh i see you know what i mean <laughs> is that when it starts to ease off the effects not really i just like the number seven in it oh, right, okay. it's just a better number this makes you feel lucky that maybe yeah. maybe you won't have hay fever tomorrow hopefully if everyone claps in it so <laughs> Let's see what happens. Do you know what? I, it's something I could get behind. I think far more than uh, than COVID nineteen. Definitely, and but the thing is that the real um, issue with having hay fever is that now there's going to be a lot of hay fever sufferers who are going to be scrutinised for sneezing. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's anytime you sneeze anywhere now, it's a hole. I actually we were in a supermarket the other day. Um, and me and my partner, we're, we're not mask wearers. And 
she was going down one eye when I branched off um, because I had to sneeze. So I did the vampire sneeze into the uh, inner elbow and then came back to her and she was like, where'd you go? And I was like, oh, I, I had to sneeze, but there were too many people around. I just couldn't be bothered with the looks. Everyone has to spin round and it's uh, very accusatory. So I'm I'm stealth sneezing now. It's not, it's not one of my proudest moments to to run off to sneeze, but well, you're thinking about others, isn't it? You're, you're not you're not there. You're, you go, you're, you're yeah. not holding your sneeze for you. Yeah, you're holding your sneeze for them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, none of them seem to care that. Then that sneeze is is then on my jacket, which I'm going to handle several times, and then you know put it over the. the no one really talks about that. Why don't you do a swab on the jacket? Klaus Schwab. <laughs> 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 I definitely think his name was was that. That's probably not his surname. I think they're trying to encourage Swab, so they were like, "We need to put him as, a, as the head of the WEF just that's, to make this happen." It's a good one, that is. So it's, it's it. Conspiracy, isn't it? That's, that's something we really need to dig into. Oh, it's crazy! It's crazy. What a week it's been. How's yours been? Yeah, yeah, it's been okay. It's it's. The, the the dwindling time is coming when stores are going to start reopening and um, everyone's starting to get quiet. I don't know. But I, obviously, they believe that we're going back to normal. So they're like, oh, we're nearly there. I think Matt Hancock on his Twitter uh, yesterday said, I want everyone to go out and enjoy the sunshine, but uh, don't ruin it now. We're so close. <laughs> okay, Matt, I'll try my... You know, how can... Uh, the good thing is you're going to see a whole bunch of people walking around now with half a tanned face and you're going to know, you're going to know what they are. Even when they come in, you know, come into your workplaces or anything like that, <laughs> you're going to see them. You're going to, I oh, just I got know. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know you are. You can take the mask off, but you can, uh, we still know you're a fascist, even though you're done. Oh, crazy. But yeah, apart from that, it's been, um, it's not been too bad, actually. It's not been too bad. Um, yeah, there's. It's, I, I don't know how I... Obviously, we know things are not going to return to normal. Um, but there there seems to be perhaps a little bit... A little bit less of the aggressive and angry sentiment towards the quote-unquote anti-vaxxers now um, than, than there has been for a couple of weeks because everyone thinks, you know... Well, we vaccinated apparently half the country, so we should be theoretically returning to normal now. So uh, people are a little bit more hopeful, and but of course that's um, that's probably not not accounting for the the big July wave that they're saying is going to come now. So short lived, perhaps short lived uh, celebration. Trust the science. <laughs> Trust the science. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's always, I always have to think back and they said, you know, well, pretty much a year ago, well, it, it was around this time, wasn't it? I remember it was towards the, the tail end of April, uh, tail end of March or, or the very, very start of April that the first lockdown was announced, wasn't it? And we did the, uh, was it the anniversary? Was it the anniversary of the lockdown though last time when we locked down or was that just the anniversary? Well, last when, week. Yeah, I believe it was the anniversary of the lockdown. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's um, and but remembering those who have who have gone. Yeah, remember the lockdown, basically. Yeah, in in it, it instill the fear. Really, I don't understand how you can kind of have a, a commemoration when you're still in the midst of it. 
Do you know what, you know what I mean? It seems a bit, seems a bit odd that they should, uh, they should be like, we want to get into everyone's minds that this is still a thing. It still exists. I know you haven't seen it, and none of your friends have had it, and none of their friends have had it, and no one you know has actually had it, and and generally no one at all that you've actually had any any meeting with has, has had this yet but it, it is real it's still here it does exist it's, I, I still i still don't know what to take of it i still cannot console myself whether the 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 actual virus is real or not if it's if it exists or what the case is because it seems on the on the on the tail end of it, it seems it would be far easier to actually have a pathogen spread. That would be a fairly easy thing. But at the same time, we know they do like to do these kind of things, and it would be very much um, akin to something they do to to use purely fear, uh, a lesser magic, as they'd refer to it, to see what damage they could cause with just fear alone and, and nothing else. Um. I know there's a, a um, what would you call it, a, a process uh, called Cox Populates, which is what you normally use to kind of identify and substantiate any kind of virus or bacteria. Uh, and I know COVID-19 is, is one of the only viruses in the history of man that doesn't satisfy all of the individual attributes of the populates. Um, and many have said it hasn't been uh, sequenced. Did you see, actually, while we're speaking about that, did you see the, um, there's been many, many freedom of information requests, tons of them posted. And there was one not too long ago that was making the rounds when someone uh, messaged Public Health England and said, can you, essentially under freedom of information request, um, let us know if the, the virus has ever been sequenced, if it's ever been demonstrably proven beyond a reasonable doubt that it does exist, that this is a real thing. And they replied to this FOI saying that the virus was essentially, uh, what would you call it? It was sequenced partially, but the other half of it was based on a computer-generated model. So it, they've only got the, you know, if you've got the novel coronavirus, they've got the coronavirus well, they've said we can tell there's coronavirus in here, but the other half of it has been basically a simulation or it's been knocked up to, to be theoretically possible in a computer model, but we haven't sequenced that part of it yet. Oh, my. Which is quite interesting, isn't it? Where, where can you find this? So this was doing the rounds months ago. Um, so I will find a source for it, and I'll let you guys know next week where you can actually just go to one website or one link and find it, as opposed to just kind of speculating where it might be. But, um, yeah, there's been tons of, of freedom of information quests that have rolled out. Someone did one in Scotland the other day of the vaccine uh, and how many people had died of the vaccine. And I'm not sure what their... What is their... Scotland don't have a... a well, they do have a national health service, but it's not quite akin to ours, isn't it? I can't remember what it's called sure it's got a it's a set of initials it's like the npr or something related to that not scottish citizens i don't know too well but someone had sent a freedom of information request through to them and said can you tell me how many people in scotland have died so far of the, the vaccine administration and there was something like you know 400 people have died from the 
the Pfizer vaccine, 205 people have died from the AstraZeneca one. Um, so there are, you know, they're, they're, they're keeping tally to some degree anyway. But they did specify afterwards that there could have been other confounding and conflating factors that went along with that that could be why these people died of the uh, died from the vaccine. But as we know, if you know, if you die from coronavirus, regardless of comorbidities, you still die from coronavirus. Average comorbidities are two point six, I think, per person. And I do know that um, I think last week that they reported. I think the report for March so far in Europe was um, one thousand no one hundred and sixty two thousand six hundred and ten severe injuries, and then three thousand nine hundred and sixty four dead. That's from March. That's quite unsettling, isn't it? I I, I can't remember if that. Let me see if that's a week, or if that is the since the rollout but that's that is a lot regardless if it's in a if it's a, a week or it's since november which is when they started you know five or six months in essentially that's still a, a fairly uncomfortable number especially when we're we're dangerously close to that ground of their suggestion that it should be mandatory and uh, i know um <laughs> i know twitter has been described as a toilet wall of the internet when you see this, when you if you go on a uh, say you take Matt Hancock, if Matt Hancock posts on Twitter, and you have a look through the comments, the staggering amount of support about you know even when he said earlier you know have a great time outside but don't ruin things we're so close, the amount of people that yeah we're so close we've done so well save the NHS unicorns rainbows and God knows what else the, the general sentiment is still very much behind them with it, which is. Sad. I, I I could understand. You know what? Some people have been quite good. And I've had this with some family as well where I spoke to them and I've said, oh, I, I had known them before to be very, very behind it. And we've had family members that, that wouldn't see us or really wanted to extremely limit contact with us because they believed in it so much. Uh, and then I would speak to them months later uh, and they would go, do you know what? We're kind of over it now. We're, we're, we're a bit disillusioned with it all. Which is, I feel, what should naturally happen because when someone says you've got a pandemic and you don't see it, and not only do you know you've got a pandemic, but you've got one that you have to lock down for, and you're not allowed any 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 familiarity with anyone you know, you're not allowed any you know social liaisons. Your workplace has to close and everything. That you'd see it, you would you wouldn't mean, need to be told there's a pandemic because you would see the pandemic. You know, there's never the case in the the Black Death in London. They said, oh, stay home. And you go, why? I can't see. You know, people were dropping dead in the streets and you saw people with the uh, the pustules. It was never a, never a case that you needed to be convinced there was a pandemic. And they definitely didn't have to fudge the numbers then. But there you go. It's um, I, 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 it's kind of, I think we mentioned an episode or two ago that perhaps the time to, or, or I wouldn't say the time to put complete, to put the notion of waking people up has to be put aside because, of course, it doesn't. There is always time and people are always waking up at their own rate. Um, but to put the key emphasis on it perhaps is um, not as important because if people have had a year of this and they're not getting slightly disenfranchised with our, our system, then it's, it's slightly concerning. And many of them are, uh, have found the anger 
and the frustration, the resentment, but they're like, oh, bloody Tories. Sad, isn't it, really, when you, as we said before, you kind of believe the, uh, the, the system exists and it can fail you so spectacularly, but at the same time, you, you'll do nothing about it. You know, these, these people, when, when this is over, if it's over, when this is over, these people will not be on the streets protesting how this was handled or how they see it as being handled. They're not going to be outraged. They're not going to sign petitions. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to flit straight back into the existence that they believe, well, they believe will be what they had before. Obviously, we know that's not going to be the same, but they believe they will be. But they'll do nothing. They'll do nothing at all. Um, very kind of weak, tepid, and not willing to stand for anything kind of people. Not that they could, of course, because they willfully sat by as our legal right to protest has been essentially removed now. So even if they suddenly decided that they're really unhappy with the what's happened, if any scandals come out, and of course they will, if any scandals come out in the wake of this about how certain things were handled what can you do you lost your right to uh, you know to to protest that because you did uh, you know back then you didn't believe it that I, I can't i'm not sure who wrote it i've seen it quoted so many times and referenced so many times but no one ever shamefully no one ever puts a quote of the source who said it and you might have seen it yourself and i, I will only have to do a a paraphrasing of sorts because i haven't got it noted down in front of me you know but it was basically saying um you know, first they came for the, the capitalists and I didn't do anything because I'm not a capitalist. Then they came for the socialists and I didn't do anything because I'm not a socialist. And then they came for the communists, but I didn't do anything because I wasn't a communist. And then they came for me, but there was no one left to stand up for me. So they'll always go after the fringe groups first. You know, they'll always go after these, these anti-vaxxers and these conspiracy theorists and these, you know, QAnon and all you know all the, all the the various subgroups that they'd like to break us down into the caricatures of the the enemy that they've got us in for the the, the the two minute hate but when they've worked out their way through all of these little subgroups there's no one left to go after but you and the notion that they're going to leave you alone is nonsense and of course by that time you'll probably have something that you're quite unhappy about you know when your your job that you presumed was absolutely safe but then disappears because it can be done by a, a machine or an algorithm or a software or god knows what and you're really unhappy about that because it's destroyed effectively your entire industry as covid more or less has with the hospitality industry and you want to you want to raise your voice about that because no one cares in the media no one really cares that your industry is in decline but you do that's your small business there's no one left to fight for you because they've already been rounded up. You know, when the fight was there, you didn't care because it didn't affect you, but there we go. It's always a, it's always a shame, isn't it? There's always a... That's why I think the realistically, regardless of what you believe, the, the fundamental right to free speech, whether you believe that it's... Um, of course, how they've conflated this is all this... this anything that the World Health Organization doesn't push out themselves is harmful misinformation it's not open to discussion obviously and we're, we're a society of adults in a democracy we should really have the the ability to be presented with both arguments and then go do you know what i'm not a 
not happy with this particular argument. But we don't have that. We literally have the case where you are told this is what you will believe. And if you don't believe that, you're going to fall into one of these categories, be it anti-vaxxers. And we've seen this, of course we've seen this so many times, where people who are clearly not anti-vaxxers. And as I've mentioned before, probably in one of the very early episodes, myself and Chris are not anti-vaxxers. We're just anti-this vaccine because of the speed it's been rushed through, because of the essentially the drive to, to force you to have it. And it is very much stepping up in regards to, to forcing you to have it, which is, again, it's when has that happened in history? And it, this, isn't, this isn't the pandemic for it. You know, I, I could understand, as I mentioned before, I could understand mandatory vaccines when you've got a rip-roarer that has a 50% fatality rate, an IFR. But this isn't it. This is still a, a fairly mediocre ailment that doesn't affect barely anyone and those who it does affect are already extremely ill um, and oftentimes are, are on the verge of, as I said, 2.6 average comorbidities per death and the average age is 82.4 years old. So most of these people have a, a serious heart issue, have a cancer or another comorbidity, something that will kill them, is killing them alongside coronavirus. So, funny. I just had to take a different tack this week, actually. Some of the... Um, what I normally do is I'll normally find things that I wanted to bring up in the week and I'll put them on our own individual group, our little freedom cell, if you will. And then I will just go back to them and, and use them on the podcast. Um, but this week I went and gathered some stuff and I didn't post it on the group. Um, and I've kept it for the podcast. So uh, some stuff that Chris might not have heard of, and I know um, Nathan, when he isn't joining us, likes to check out the podcast. So it will hopefully be some stuff that you haven't heard and something that we can dig into. I'm excited. A little bit of uh, a little bit of conjecture. A little let's bit of go, surprise. let's go. <laughs> right, let's, uh, let's unlock the tablet. Can, I, can I just say real quick, yeah, before you go, Yeah. Um, just a little bit of advice. Um with the obviously we covered last week about ethylene oxide. Yeah, um, they've jumped on that, haven't they? Straight away. Yeah, couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I knew it was going to happen, and I knew the hit pieces were going to fly up, as so, does so often happen when you actually find a demonstrable issue. They're like, "No, it's oh, don't be silly. It's not that bad." <laughs> sure. What were you going to say, anyway? Um. With the tests, if you, if I mean, if you feel that you have to take a, a test, um, just spitting from a from a distance is 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 enough. Well, on the test or the person giving the test. <laughs> ah. I mean, they should really have proper PPE on, so they could really just get the swab and then wipe the the spitule out of their eye, and then use <laughs> and then use that. And I think that's really a, a that's a good option because it allows the people of this country to, to vent their rage and frustration. And it also promotes a, a positive test. There was actually um, an image that from Egypt, from some very, very old history books and very old textbooks. And what this is absolutely disgusting. So preface that what they used to do with enemies, it was actually, it was twofold. First of all, it was the very, I was looking up the history of vaccinations, immunizations. So this was all part of this. I had to, I saw the picture and I thought, oh, I've got to go on Google and find out if that's true. Cause that sounds just too extreme to be real. Um, 
And as I mentioned before, when I see something online, I have to check it because people, even even in the truth movement, we've got a, a problem of this where people will post stuff up. For example, I saw a protest the other day, hundreds of thousands, of, it looked staggering in the country. And it was saying anti-lockdown protests. Uh, and then someone jumped in and said, these are not anti-lockdown protests. This was a protest from 2017. And I had a Google and it was and found the same thing. So... Because if you are doing that and you're putting stuff out on social media, do check it first. Don't just reshare it because people will call you out on it. There will always be one. Yeah. Always. And it loses, again, it, it doesn't do anything for us because our credibility at the best of times is is somewhere between slim and none. And obviously that's the battle that we're we're having, that we are up against these giants of industry especially the mainstream media that have that authority behind them and obviously people appeal to authority so when you put stuff up you can only really great gain that credibility by being able to say all right take the things that are said and go and check them yourself um so oftentimes we'll sort of head off and 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 check stuff to make sure that it's true and it's not just someone trying to and of course there's controlled opposition as well who will make intentional memes that are false and then roll them out to larger audiences to go, look at this stuff. This is the stuff, this is the content that these anti-vaxxers are putting out and look how demonstrated false it is with a quick Google. So there's that as well. But it was of uh, Egyptians and what they used to do, they used to, if people were infected with a, a disease or a virus, they used to take the scabs off them and grind, grind them up into a powder and then they used to put like a very thin um almost like a bamboo cane that had been sort of you know cut through hollowed through and push it up the nose right to the back and then put the 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 crushed ground scab into one end and blow it up the nasal cavity all the way to the back so that person would either get infected or theoretically gain immunity um but it was also that it was really really often a punishment where they would take people that were infected with these deadly pathogens and then do it to people. And it it really did strike me that this is exactly the same as what they're doing now. You know, they're not going to blow it up your nose anymore, but they're just going to, you know, on the swab, push it to the back with the ethylene oxide. And uh, as I said, there were many, many, many hit pieces that jumped on that straight away to say, oh... You know, it's uh, that's ethylene oxide is in all medical equipment, and it's you don't understand the process. One of the the biggest, um, what would you call them? The biggest antagonist against the the whole ethylene oxide um, scandal, if you will. And I would say it's probably reached a scandal level now because if you type it into Google, there's two or three, four, or five pages of of things that are going against it they said that there is a process where they, they do sterilise an ethylene oxide, but then they use gases and all different various forms to try and purge the ethylene oxide. So when it reaches you, it's absolutely fine. But it said that when they do this, there are no evidential traces of ethylene oxide on the thing after about three weeks. But again, it, they didn't say before three weeks. So if you've had a, t- you know, how quickly the tests we're turning out, churning out, sorry, right now are for right now so we can test. They're not tests that we've had in storage for the for God knows you know, the last several years. 
that we're now just whipping out. The tests are being made right now. You know, the, the, the lateral flow antigen tests are being made right now. The PCR tests, um, although not created right now, have been rolled out en masse right now. And obviously in the early days, they were saying there aren't enough tests. There aren't enough tests. You know, we, we need to test people, but we, we don't have enough of them. And it's where they're really trying to, you know, project fear and get people to go out and take their own private tests. And, um, yeah, it's it's curious, isn't it? It's very, very curious how they kind of, how they've handled this. It, they've gone very well where they're trying to make you, at one point, you were just lucky to have a test. And now they're trying to say you only, you're lucky to have a vaccine and you might not get your second vaccine, but, you know, we'll try as our best and the EU is withholding vaccines and all this nonsense. They are calling that the black people now. Are they? Yeah. Do tell. I think they said that um, 60% of black people are refusing to to take the vaccine because of um, conspiracy theories. It's nothing to do with the fact that for the longest time, sort of black and... Mostly Indian, but obviously the Chinese have been subject to this as well. With the sheer level, you know, have essentially been used historically as human test subjects, unwittingly used as, as test subjects. And the military has had its hand in, you know, so often in this. Um, it's, it's, it's staggering. I can completely understand where they're coming from. Completely understand. And people would only really need to look at history to, to see how often it's kind of happened how prevalent it has been is and uh, they're using the gatekeeper um lenny henry to to whip up everybody come on everybody it's frustrating is it because he's boule for a start but i mean what kind of what kind of sway does lenny henry have he's he's almost more for the white people you know what i mean he's not really a I don't know how much influence he has, really these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I don't think a lot of. Um, so I don't think a lot of black people are happy with him, as a whole. Um, and uh, I think a lot of Africans are not happy with him for his characters that he's portrayed. Mm. Um, and I just think he's just a dick, personally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So many of them will, will quite happily sell themselves out to the greater good, you know, to to, to effectively be someone. And that that's just a never-ending kind of cycle, really. It's um, As we said before, racism starts at the top, exists at the top and is rolled down. And you know that because of the... Again, there's, there's, there is no, there's no structure that has the, the ability to keep racism alive and to keep it essentially prevalent. No one has that power. And again, no one's outwardly, no one is outwardly advocating racism. So, you know, years ago they used to say, oh, it's the KKK, you know, groups like that, that were advocating and driving and pushing racism. And to some degree, obviously, that there's, there's merit in that. But these days... You don't have groups that are completely outwardly conflating racism and gaining mass support on it. In fact, the media will shoot down, and social media absolutely will shoot down anything that even comes remotely close. And I think they realise that. 
I think they realise that hey, we haven't got a we haven't got a racist group to point to who we can say, oh, it's a it's these right wing, you know, it's the white supremacists, it's the uh, <laughs> effectively the Monday Hitler Youth, it's the KKK, and then we've moved on to this kind of unconscious bias now, where it's like we you know we don't have an enemy for that's pushing racism anymore, but it's actually you, it's the regular person, it's your unconscious bias that you're not aware of that's keeping racism alive but again the 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 common argument that when you 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 know you speak about racism is when they talk about you know say black people they say black people cannot be racist because they don't have the power so that there isn't that's where racism is you have to be able to have the the power to be able to push it to drive it and black people don't have that power so they go they can't be racist because they can't inspire change which a is nonsense, um, and b is, is demonstrable to the point that really that you, you if you sit anyone down and you go right name an institution, not a government institution because again this is my point this is coming from the government side of things name a uh, I don't know what you'd call it name a, a, a essentially a, a public institution that is, is outwardly advocating racism and is driving racial segregation and you can't really do it you can't really pinpoint anyone who's doing it and you might say oh well look at the you know the police force but again the police are an arm of the government they're not uh, they're not like us they're not here to protect and serve they're there to protect and serve them so you can't really point to the weapon of the of the enemy and say oh well the, you know the weapon's different it's it's not um but yeah, no, I, I completely. I mean, I I support any, regardless of obviously color. Everyone has the right to bodily autonomy, and everyone has the right to a choice on this. And it's funny, isn't it? How quickly they're going to attack. Do you know what I mean? I, I when they're reporting that kind of thing, do you really think they're kind of reporting it as a kind of off the cuff? Oh, we've noticed. You know, the the BAME community is not rushing forward to get the vaccine or they're pointing a finger the same way they did the nhs you know we nhs was lauded forever and when it was noted that less than half of clinicians and and healthcare workers were getting the vaccine it suddenly become a bit of an attack on them and uh, again if that carries on into the future they are going to be targeted for not having it interesting stuff isn't it really it is very interesting but here we are yeah yeah, exactly. Uh, apparently, as well, there was a, a talk um, that I watched the other week. Oh, who was that? Um, who was that old? I think he was a BBC presenter, and he was kind of like the the the, the kind of face. I want to say Andrew Neil, but I'm not sure if that's who it is. Anyway, he had a whole talk in why the Polish community are again on mass rejecting the vaccine. And again, I think when you have cultures that have a, a big history of not trusting government because, not not unfoundly, not in a, in a paranoid way, but because governments have essentially shafted them for the past several decades and longer than that, and there is natural scepticism and cynicism within them, then they're obviously going to not jump and they're not going to believe this. And the, the, Again, they're tar- they're trying to almost shine a light on these 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 groups and saying, "Look at these people. If if you can't come out of lockdown, it's going to be because of these people." But there you go. It's something that we'll obviously keep um, we'll keep the focus on. 
as it goes. And if we see developments that look like it's going that way, obviously going to highlight them. What happened to my body, my choice? You know? Exactly. Like, I mean, it's all about respect, right? And um, I think Planned Parenthood is a, is a big thing. Of course, yeah, that's that. You know, when it's when it's them, and it, it you know, it's essentially voluntary and willful eugenics. They're happy to support your bodily autonomy if you're doing it yourself. But when you want to kind of keep your bodily autonomy and and be morally consistent, it's all of a sudden, oh no, you don't have a right to bodily autonomy anymore. You've you've waived that because of the greater good. It's crazy. It's either one or the other, guys. Exactly. Either one or the other. It's gross, isn't it? It really <laughs> is gross. Anyway, um, so the first thing I I want to jump on, I actually did, I actually did post in the group, but this one bared repeating to the much wider stage because it was well so important to bring to everyone's attention, uh, and it wasn't something that I was aware of. So many people that would speak many people in the truth movement would say oh they've been planning this for a long time and you can see the seeds of that and see you know as we've gone over before simulation lockstep from the rockefeller foundation from 2010 and event 201 from 2019 which very very perfectly showed exactly what's happening now and again was funded by the bill and melinda gates foundation but that's just a coincidence of course it is um so if you have a Google of the European Commission, you can pop on their website and they have a journal entry called uh, Roadmap for Vaccine Passports. And this was published in early 2019. And it is a flowchart for implementing vaccine passports, uh, the requirements for them, the needs for them, and two kind of particular pieces to highlight was the titles of two pages so page four's title uh, is guidance on overcoming legal and technical barriers to interoperability of national immunization information systems so that was a bit of a mouthful but what that one breaks down to essentially if you didn't quite absorb that is guidance on overcoming legal and technical barriers to bringing in a national immunization system a database so even in 2019 early 2019 they're going look we are going to have trouble bringing in a a, a database for, for this for, for a vaccine passport legal troubles and ethical troubles as they should uh let's let's write up how we can get past them let's plan now how we can circumvent and sidestep those things so that's Again, disconcerting. At best, at best, it's poorly timed. At absolute best. But again, the, when has been the 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 real drive for pandemics? How much have you really heard of pandemics in outside of the media, outside of films, outside of the studio? When was the last time we had a big, sweeping, terrible pandemic that ripped through? And again, people might go back to swine flu or bird flu. And if, but if you look at the numbers, both were the most, they weren't even on the scale. They were irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant in forms of how many people they infected. I think um, London's Imperial College estimated, or I should say guesstimated, because that's far more accurate, that about 
250,000 people would die of um, swine flu, I think it was. And in the end, it was about 250. And again, very, very similar to how to deal with the COVID deaths where people who did die had other comorbidities and it was kind of tacked on. Um, don't quote me it's, it's on precisely those numbers because there was a... Again, if you have a look and you have a look at the predictions that have been made for foot and mouth, for Ebola, for swine flu, for bird flu, for all of these different things over the past so many years, if you look at the Imperial College's predictions and then look at what happened, they're drastically different. And they only recalculate when they're going into it. So I know they said with coronavirus in the UK that uh, about 2.2 million people would die. And then it went down to just 2 million, then 1.5 million, then 500,000. And of course, we're still nowhere near that, even with the, the false positives, even the PCR tests that have been flagged up so many times as not being suitable for that kind of thing. We're still nowhere near the 2.2 million. But again, so many agencies cracked into life because of that 2.2 million estimate. And they've done it every single time. They're the Imperial College at this point is essentially just a soundboard of fear. They just pull a number out of the air and go, oh, this, this, could, be, uh, this could be bad and, and this is what it's going to be if we don't do all these different things. And that's literally all, the only purpose of them. If I miss the mark in my profession as much as they have, I would have been fired years ago. I don't think they've had a single, even a, even a near miss in recorded history. They're, they're a nonsense organisation and, a, frankly, a waste of time for the most part. So there you go. But anyway, so that's page four. So page 10. And this was really, really interesting because I, I think I mentioned it either last week or the week before. It might have been last week where I said that Katie Hopkins had a video yeah, of uh, an NHS document. And in that document it said people are going to push back against the vaccine. So this is what the 70-year-olds the are going to say, and this is how you need to get round them. This is how you need to convince them of having the vaccine. You can't talk about this, this, and this. You have to talk about this, this, and this. And again, as I mentioned in the 70s, they said, um, speak of it as though it's a national movement. It's a wartime effort. You know, go back to those times. Use that kind of, uh, that kind of terminology to convince them to, to take it. And uh, she she went through the the entire demographic uh, demographic sorry of all the age groups, but also if they were healthcare workers and saying clinicians we've noticed are not having uh, the vaccine and we need to uh, I also use the word attack because I think that's apt. We need to attack clinicians with these kind of rebuttals to try and force them to take the vaccines. Page ten of this. Oh, and I just want to say, actually, one more time before I say that, I also mentioned, and Katie Hopkins goes over it in her video, that this document was a joint venture between Public Health England, GovUK, and the NHS, and it named several behavioural spe specialists that were there to, quote-unquote, nudge the public into accepting the vaccine. So they, it was a... It was a uh, a conglomerate of of behavioural specialists, psychologists, all that kind of thing, coming with government. Page ten. Um, consider investing in behavioural and social science research on the determinants of vaccine hesitancy against different subgroups. So again, two thousand nineteen. They're already saying you need to invest in behavioural scientists, social scientists, 
that can tell you how people work. And then you need to use that to handle vaccine hesitancy across different subgroups. So BAME groups, older generation, mid-generation, age groups, male clinicians, all these kind of things. So what we're seeing is exactly what was written down in 2019 to, to, to handle this. And it's just another, it's just another, what would you call it? Uh, it's another red herring amongst event 201, amongst agenda 2030, 21, 2025, against China's social credit system finishing in 2020, you know, against Bill Gates hyping a pandemic in his TED talk several years before. Uh, there's so many now that the, it's, it's starting to be a, a case where you can't really argue that it wasn't premeditated. It really, really is. But yeah, have a, again, have a look at that document yourself because you can pop on and it's on their website. And uh, you can download it. Roadmap for Vaccine Passports by the European Commission, 2019. Um, some good news, actually, <laughs> for a change. Oh, wow. We need a good news button, don't we? Kind of a, you know, an applause or a kind of cheer. Yippee. That would do. We'll, we'll sound about that and chuck that in. So this was posted on opendemocracy.net. Um, and the title is, We've won our lawsuit over Matt Hancock's 23 million NHS data deal with Palantir, they're called. So I think we've referenced this before. Well, we have referenced this before. I know we have. Where we spoke about Facebook and we spoke about Instagram and Snapchat all being essentially facial mapping, facial recognition tools and data mining services where the, 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 the core function of these is to get as much of your information as possible to catalogue you. You know, that's why it's called Facebook. It is a book of faces. So they can scroll through and they know everything about you purely through there. And, and TikTok is the same. And we've mentioned how before that India has banned TikTok and various other sites because they realise that they are Chinese data mining sites and there's, there's plentiful evidence of that. So this is just some extracts from that article. Uh Despite starting the pandemic, uh, sorry, despite stating the pandemic will be over by Easter, why is the government extending its short-term emergency data deal with the US big data firm Palantir for five more years? Government lawyers insisted that citizens have no right to a say in major NHS contracts with big tech, even if they're handling their data. Uh, said data has been quoted to be worth in excess of £10 billion per year. And needless to say, when these lawyers are saying, look, you, whether it's your data or not, you don't have a say who the NHS and the government deals with in regards to whether they're a big tech private corporation or they are a centralised governmental agency. You don't, have a, you don't have the choice in the matter. Which I just found, and again, of course, that, that's why I got thrown out in court. So um, because of this, the people that effectively sued Matt Hancock for that um, and Public Health England um, received the notion of the notice, sorry, that, that Matt Hancock will be ending the contract at the same time the emergency powers end, so they quoted no more than six months, uh, and that the the contract for handling the, well, let's be honest, the... Uh, the kind of what will be the basis for the vaccine passport, your medical records, essentially, 
will be open to public tenure so companies can bid for it and there will be full disclosure. But the people in the article said, the key thing is here, we had to take these people to court because nowhere, nowhere did they state anywhere that they were doing this deal, that they were extending this deal with Palantir from the emergency phase of six months to five years. And obviously there's going to be a significant money changing hands there. And they also said that the document that was brought to court and utilised regarding what data of yours, of your medical record, would be handed to Palantir was heavily redacted. And it wasn't, there was no overturning in saying that, yeah, you're allowed to see exactly what they're handing over. Why is my data? Why am I not allowed to see what you're handling to a private big tech corporation with, with my data? And again, they're sending it from the UK to the US, which of course means that the handing of your data is going to fall under different jurisdictions and there will be variations in in how it can be safely handled stored and and utilized essentially and we've brought this up so many times haven't we not i mean not only obviously tiktok and things like that but we spoke early on about you know legitimate interests on every web page you go on now asking for full access to you you know your phone your contact list how many devices are connected to the same wi-fi you know unique identifiers for you and your online profile to build an online profile for you it's quite staggering really that 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 people don't understand how much their data is worth they really don't and they don't care it's it, it, it has turned where the internet is essentially just a big data mining tool it's quite scary really it's, it's, it's. i don't know why you i mean willingly i mean people don't understand obviously that's 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 kind of a central point to a degree. People believe that when they sign up to Snapchat or they sign up to Instagram, that that's still private data and it can't really be used, but it, it can be used. Of course it can be used. And we know that with WhatsApp's recent terms of service change where they said, oh, we will be sharing your... I mean, obviously WhatsApp and Facebook were two completely separate organisations at one point until I think about two years ago or so, or perhaps less, when Facebook bought out WhatsApp, which didn't make sense because Facebook had Facebook Messenger. It didn't really need WhatsApp, but it bought out WhatsApp, and then not too long after that, it was like, we're going to be taking all of your your WhatsApp data to join the Facebook family, <laughs> which is just the worst. The, obviously, as soon as we, we've already said amongst us, as soon as that happens, we'll jump ship. And it's worth mentioning that the two big contenders for that space now are, are Telegram and Signal. Um, but Telegram is not the better choice of the two because it's not encrypted by default. You have to put certain settings on yourself to encrypt it. And even then, there's certain situations which are not encrypted. So lots of people jump into Telegram now. And it is a place where a lot of uh, protests are being organised, a lot of the truth movement stuff is being shared. But at the same time, it's also being intercepted. And there are police informants that are on these Telegram sites because if you want to join a Telegram conversation, you just click the link and you're in the conversation straight away. You don't have to be accepted. You're just there. You're just literally in the conversation. And it's, um, yeah, it's quite, quite scary. But... Um, 
I think it was you, Chris, wasn't it, who shared the NHS page for opting out. Yes. Might have to find that, actually, while we're here. Because, so Chris found a, essentially, what was it? What would you kind of call it? Was it an article that was saying that the NHS is changing how it holds your data and it wants to be able to use your data for... Public use. Public use, Mm -hmm. which is... Again, gross. So, and it's again timely, isn't it? Because I've never had any of those before. You know, since uh, since really having any, uh, you know, the, the uh, NHS having all my information, I haven't had a text asking if, if my public in, my my personal medical history and all my details can be used for for public use. And of course, if it's public use, it's used by big corporations and big tech. And it said that you have until this date to opt out. Or essentially, you'll be said that you're agreeing to it, um, and of course, all of us jumped in and opted out straight away. Um, and I would very, very much recommend that that you guys do that as well. I don't know if it's how close we'll have it really to when you post it, but it was, um, yeah, it's definitely. I'll just see if we've got a link or something that we can throw up to the guys listening because it's um, probably something that should be done by as many people as possible. Let's have a look. We're just both wildly scrolling through the uh, <laughs> dozens and dozens of links that we seem to share on a on a on a, on a daily basis to try and find uh, find this kind of stuff. But yeah, no, I was uh, I was oh, again I was absolutely shocked. Oh, there it is. So um, I just found it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the title of the actual page. So if you think we're kind of being a little bit hyperbolic there, this is what NHS UK has. Make your choice. Choose if data from your health records is shared for research and planning. Um, the website you can go on, www.nhs.uk forward slash your dash NHS dash data dash matters forward slash manage dash your dash choice. But I'm sure if you just type into Google NHS, your data matters or manage your choice, your data matters, it will probably take you straight through to that same site as well. But um, yeah, you literally opt out of that and it, it sends you a confirmation via text or email once you've finished that your data has been kept private and will not be shared with outside uh, organisations. So yeah, definitely, definitely. if you're in the UK, um, our Cambodian friends, don't worry about this. You don't have to worry about that one. Um, <laughs> but our UK guys, definitely something to um, to do because, again, so much of what we're going to see in the this big tech with these cameras coming about, with these systems coming about, these vaccine passports, is going to utilise the publicly available pictures, profiles, information, contacts, all this different information and this various metadata to get a profile on you so if you're not if you're not the one that's actually uh following orders so to speak they're going to know who you are who you who you live with basically everything they can build a full profile on you and and again that's not really something you want in the hands of your enemy so yeah really do uh take the time perhaps to jump out of that but it's um as i said good news and it goes to show that the government are not acting lawfully in a lot of things. So, again, they intentionally hid the five-year extension with Palantir on this. 
And again, when questioned in court, they said, we don't think people have the, the right to choose what companies the NHS deals with in regards to handling their data, which is, again, nonsense because it's your, da- it's your data. It's your data. It's your information. It's your, it belongs to you. So to, 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 to make the argument you don't have the right to make a choice in that, nonsense. So a good win. A really, really good win. And again, that's opendemocracy.net is one of their most latest stories. And they do go, if you go on there, they've, they've split over three articles where they go where they first found out about the government being sneaky and hiding this stuff. Um, the the idea that they were taking them to court, what their defence was going to be, what the defence of the Public Health England was going to be, and uh, the the very welcomed article to say that they'd won and what parts they'd won on and the, the silly arguments that the government had made to try and defend it. Good read. Um, moving on, this one is... I, I don't know what to... Um, is it, is it I told you so? Can you say that? We've, maybe it's too early for that, but it's the sentiment feels somewhat the same. Um, you can say it in your head. <laughs> I didn't say that. We'll, we'll cut it out and I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll keep it inside maybe. But, but say it, but as you say it, then, you know, as you as the words come out, just make it feel, feel it. Say it in a way that insinuates that I'm smug. Yeah. Yeah, it. okay. Um, Berlin suspends AstraZeneca vaccinations for anyone under 60 as the German Paul L. Uh, Ehrlich Institute, PEI, records 31 cases of brain thrombosis and nine deaths. Um, that was brought to me by Disclose.tv, but has also been picked up by a lot of mainstream websites as well now. Called the AstraZeneca one is having a bad rap, isn't it? It is. Um... Needs to stop doing hip hop then, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, you know what? The, I did read as well that the AstraZeneca vaccine was the one that they were looking to roll out again to many of the African countries, parts of India, that primarily the the, the poorer and more impoverished locales yeah, in the world. Um, and you again, you don't, you can't go in for a vaccination and say, oh, hi, I'd like one Pfizer, please, you know, one Moderna. Um, you get what you're given. And they are giving certain demographics certain vaccines. So I haven't seen... I've, <laughs> I've seen more vaccine cards than I'd like to see, unfortunately. Because people love sharing them. They love it, you know. It's like a, a sticker on the on the on the vest. I've had my back, you know. They have to share it because that's that's part of getting the uh, that's part of completing the virtue signal, isn't it? Letting everyone know how altruistic and virtuous you are and selfless that you've gone and had your vaccine. And um, I've seen way too many cards, and you notice that the people getting the AstraZeneca are the older people. And the people getting the Pfizer tend to be sort of younger, you know, in the 40s, things like that. But it does seem to be the the late 50s, the 60s, the 70s that are getting the AstraZeneca. And the younger people are, are getting different vaccines. And I mentioned in podcasts long gone that it, it seems if you were going to tr- trial certain drugs, one of the best ways to do it would be in certain demographics, would be to go, right, we... Uh, want to achieve this in the over 70s or the over 60s so they're going to get this certain drug and then the people that are you know 
50s to, I don't know, 30s, they're going to get this particular strain of drug. And then lastly, the younger people are going to get this. And it wouldn't surprise me if in the current zero to six age group, which they're talking about vaccinating next, if there's going to be an entirely new vaccination. Probably Moderna, maybe. Probably Moderna. Probably Moderna. But do you think that... I can imagine they're going to have a a variant of the vaccine. Uh, you know, a... a, a, a a younger person's vaccine than a, a, the strictly same dose that they would have for a regular, you know, like a 20, 25, 30 year old. It probably would be a possibility. I would probably say I, I definitely don't think, um, especially politicians, I don't, certain ones um, who have publicly announced that they've taken the vaccines, I don't think they're getting the same one that the public are getting. Of course not, no. If, if they are getting a vaccine, Someone has said before, it's either a completely harmless and often quite good for you B12 shot, which many, many people are absent on B12, and um, or it's saline. Uh, because I think that, as, as me and Chris have mentioned loads of times, there's been so many videos online for the last couple of years from especially flu epidemics that, that, that don't exist anymore and apparently never did exist. Um, where that you can see that the needle used is either not even inserted, you can see it's not absent, you know, they pour a, uh, just the plastic out, there's no metal on the syringe. Um, it, you know, it's not in the arm, it's all sorts of things. So I think the in this age of where they know people are going to be filming, people are going to be recording, uh, and people are going to be dissecting this footage online, they're probably not going to go down the route of, oh my God, you know, we can't, we can't keep faking vaccinations anymore. We're going to actually have to do an injection, but we're going to do an injection of something that's, you know, potentially not harmful at all. I think they enjoy it. I think, I think, I think they know, they know that it's going to be um, picked up, and they just, they just keep rolling with it and just do it again and do it again. And they're probably laughing every time it happens. So. It's probably adrenochrome, isn't it? Oh. You can imagine if they're having that. If they're having it done in front of all the world, because we we kind of we know they like to do a ritual, and they like to show you the ritual. And if you don't notice a ritual, and kind of flag it up, it's almost their modus operandi that you believe that you agree with it. And I'm sure there is some debate whether, from a you know, from the armor of God, from a spiritual perspective, whether you have having been part of that ritual and, and sat through it and allowed it to happen and not recognise it for what it is, that you've effectively shed your armour, so to speak. I remember in the film Midsommar, which we've mentioned so many times and is worth a watch if only to see how they think. And again, in that there, there's a, a, a poignant scene where two members of the tribe uh, hit 72 years old and there's a big big ritual for them and then they they jump off a cliff onto a rock to kill themselves and, and obviously these people that have come to this village as, as just outsiders and see it are going absolutely insane and can't understand what they're seeing and the people are like it's fine they've reached the point now at 70 years 72 years old where they have given enough and if they keep living past this point they're going to become a burden and it's no one's right to be a burden on other people so you contribute for as long as you can and then you die when it's your time to die. Uh, and some of the tribe were pregnant and that, that it's okay, they're going to be, you know, this person will be named as that name 
and they will carry on and it's a you know imply that it's a kind of reincarnation of sorts but it's just disgusting and that that, that film alongside the film hereditary both made by ari ashtar who said that people approached him to make them but didn't detail who approached him they're both sickening and they're both dark and twisted and horrible and just the grossest films but at the same time they are worth a watch so you can kind of see what you're um you know what you're what you're missing so to speak but um i've kind of lost my train of thought where I was going with that. and we were on the the vaccine um the faking the vaccine Vaccine. I'm trying to work around where my 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 mind went was, to adrenochrome. Yes, yes. There you go. Yeah, with uh, with adrenochrome. Um, but there was a bit in that. So in the scene where the two older people climb the cliff, and they were going to jump off the cliff, and you had the actors that were seeing it, but you also had members of the tribe. And what they would do is, at certain points, they would just turn around and look directly into the camera. Like no speech, it wasn't. There wasn't anyone behind them, so it wasn't as though it was showing a camera perspective of someone important behind them. So you were putting their eyes temporarily, and they were looking at you. They were at the back of this big, you know, gathering of them oh, to jump yeah, in, and they turn around and look at you briefly, and then they look back to what they were doing. And I didn't really pick it up at the time. I thought, well, I, you know, something was unsettling me about the films, but that kind of fourth wall breaking didn't have a place. And obviously breaking the fourth wall is not something you normally do in cinema because it makes you realise you're watching a film um, versus being part of a, a, an experience. And True Stream Media on YouTube, if anyone has come into contact with them, but they're a very good channel to follow, if not, did a whole breakdown video of it. And they said that you don't realise, why do you think these people keep stopping before the old people jump off the cliff and they just turn around to look at the camera for two or three seconds, hold, and then turn back to what's happening? Because they're looking at you and saying, you are now part of the ritual. You know, do you have any, uh, any issue with what you're seeing or what you're about to see? Are you recognising what you're about to see for what it is? And you don't recognise it, but then they go straight back to it and they've kind of... They've looked to you and 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 made that kind of unconscious contract between you. And yeah, that would be uh, if they were injecting adrenochrome. Although you wouldn't know, you'd still kind of. It would be a very big slap in the face for them to to essentially be like, you know, you think we're getting the vaccine, really we're having this injected, and you have no idea. But you're afterwards, you're clapping. And you're celebrating and you're, you know what I mean, you're rejoicing that this person has had the vaccine when really this couldn't be farther from the truth. It's mad. They're, so when they're looking back at you, does that make you part of the ritual? That's what I think. That's what Truthstream Media said. That, uh, yeah, it makes you part of the ritual. And it was a, you know, there's, there's so much wrong with that film. Obviously the, the main character, the, the male in it, being called Christian and in the early part of the film one of the tribe just walks past and kicks him in the leg for no reason and it turns out later in the film that it was a, a process kind of marking the fall they called it where they were earmarking him for death and I won't kind of go too in depth about what's in the film because again I think it is something you should watch to see 
if you if you're kind of a little bit awake and you're aware of some of this stuff you will see things in that film you won't understand everything you're seeing and some of it will need expanding on and again the true stream media video specifically on that will let you watch the film first and then watch it afterwards and we'll let you see so much that you just didn't recognize that unconscious conditioning in there that programming and you go oh my god i didn't even see it and again i didn't acknowledge that these people were looking back at me i thought why are they you know it didn't even come to mind that they were just looking into the camera and it happens four or five times in the film I effectively just thought, oh, this is fourth wall breaking. But again, you don't tend to break fourth walls. We watched Deadpool the other day and he makes many references to, you know, oh, I'm talking to the audience. I'm breaking the fourth wall, you know, fourth wall within a fourth wall. And it's, um, it's funny in that because it's comedic and, you, you know, the, the, the directors and producers of that film, it's, it's fan service. They know what it's about. But again... Uh, definitely worth checking out uh, Midsommar and Hereditary. Um, I think both are available on, um, if not Netflix, Amazon Prime, but you can probably dig them about anyway. But they, they are worth watching, as uncomfortable as they are to watch. Um, Hereditary is very uncomfortable to watch. It's just something about it. It just gets into you, I feel. It's the little girl as well, man. Yeah, absolutely. And as well, the, 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 the demon that they're all worshipping through that film is a real demon, is uh is listed in the Goetia, which is a book of demons that have existed throughout history that's uh, again been referenced by many of the cultists and Alistair Crowley and all these different things. Uh, I think it's Alistair Crowley's book, if I'm not wrong. Might be wrong, but I think it's his book um, where he details specific demons. He details what they will give to you, what they can bring to your life, uh, and how to summon them, how to control them, and all this kind of stuff. So... Again, not from the mind of someone that's normal. So if, you, if you're listening to this stuff and you don't believe in it, you're not that way inclined, it's just a weird, weird thing to think about. And again, individuals like this, uh, Jay-Z has uh, a clothing brand with Alistair Crowley's quotes written all over the clothes. And uh, he was on the, the, the Sgt. Pepper album on the Beatles and his head just pops up everywhere. I think... Uh, What's that? Do what thou wilt. Do something. what thou wilt, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Savile was shown to be doing the same pose that he did as well in the same configuration. Um, and he's a big, big, big guy in the celebrity circle, despite never being a celebrity himself, despite being an occultist, just speaking about performing rituals on children and sex rituals on children. That's not someone that any normal person would want to have associated with them. But so many of these celebrities absolutely adore him and, and idolize him and demonstrate that in a lot of what they do. Uh, and again, he's written a whole book in, uh, you know, you want to be smart. This is a demon you have to summon. And to summon it, you have to get a live animal. You have to cut the throat while saying these words. Uh, it will appear to you. Uh, what it says is generally a lie. So you need to try and outlie it. And if you manage to outlie it, then you'll only, then will you be offered, you know, certain odds and ends and uh, the, the, the things that you want. And it, some of them are absolutely disgusting. Again, many of the rituals involve children, involve sex magic, involve things like that. And uh, sold on Amazon, eight ninety nine, I think, for a paperback. So gross. So I remember buying it to read through it and see kind of into the mind of the enemy, so to speak. Um, and then I frankly chucked it in the bin because um, I thought I, I really don't want that in my house sitting around. But um, yeah, it's 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 very disconcerting. Um, 
Very, very disconcerting. So there's a bit of a diatribe there from talking about AstraZeneca breaking down. But again, there's, there's so much that, that people don't really realise with, with what's going on, that they are these specific rituals. They are there to catch you out. So you, you, you don't recognise them because you don't know. Um, the same you might know, you know, there's a, for a, um, what's a good example of this? So raising the fist, that's being a big thing, you know, raising the fist and, and, uh, and taking the knee. Many people f- will raise the fist because they believe that it's supporting Black Lives Matter. And obviously that's been presented as if you support Black Lives Matter, if you support this, this institutionalized and systematic racism, just raise the fist. But the fist racing has, has always been synonymous with, with communism and um, socialism to a degree as well neighbours of the same uh, same household and again there's many people that are that are raising their fists on these marches because what they believe they're supporting is black equality and black freedom when really they're supporting an overthrow of a communist of a marxist agenda being instilled in our country as nathan has said before the death of a thousand cuts Fabian socialism, making tiny, oftentimes incremental changes in society and culture over many, many years, often over decades, to bring in a, a change. And if you have a look at social, uh, not socialism, if you look at Fabianism, and the uh, if you have a look at listed Fabians, you'll see Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, David Cameron. You'll see loads and loads of very, very high-ranking celebrities, politicians, members of parliament, all sorts of things listed as these these Fabian socialists. And uh, again, when their when their their modus operandi is, we will change culture, we will steer society without anyone realizing we're doing it over time. It's again. Why would you want your uh, same as I said with Alice Crowley? Why would you want your name attached to that? Quite um, uncomfortable. Um, but we'll move on anyway. We'll move on again. Check those films out if you have the time to to check them out. Um, again, Hereditary still leaves me uncomfortable because it's there's, there's this foreboding sense in both of them that you're being communicated with but you don't really understand what is being communicated to you until you watch breakdowns and then you think, oh my God, I didn't realise it was this deep. Um, this from the Times may be responsible for the hay fever, Chris. Uh, Bill Gates has backed a bid to call the earth using chalk dust. Um, and people obviously immediately jumped up and said, well, chalk, you know, people are asthmatic to chalk, that's going to cause respiratory issues. Um, there is a specific... This guy. Yeah, isn't it? You know, and how long have we said that? Um, someone said, made the good point earlier that the EU is currently pushing through their green pass. The vaccine passports now have a name in the EU anyway, called the green passes. And obviously Israel is also calling them the green passes, just a coincidence. But green pass is, is, could have many, many uses. And again, many have already said it could be, and the World Economic Forum themselves have said, we, the, the notion that we might not use locking down in the future to help with certain climate issues uh, are not a fallacy. You know, that, that's, that could be considered. And obviously they put up that status on Twitter saying, you know, um, major cities have never been so quiet, have never been so clean. 
look at what the lockdown's doing, you know, look at the improvement. And people fired up straight away and said, you know, you call this an improvement. You know, I've lost my job. Like, I can't feed my family. I can't pay my rent. And they popped back up and said, we're really sorry. This was a bit tone deaf. Um, we are taking these down, even though we acknowledge lockdowns are not great, even though they are helping stem the pandemic. So they tried that one and it didn't really fly, um, unfortunately. But it goes to show you, doesn't it? Sorry, I I saw a statistic that said that um, the average man during this um, pandemic has lost um, a collection of 3.2 trillion, but the average billionaire has gained 3.2 trillion. Yeah, I read one the other day that said there is about just short of 300, um, just short of 300 new Chinese billionaires that have popped up over the pandemic. And again, we've we've said before in previous podcasts that the the system that is coming out over here has been being tested in China for the longest time. The social credit system, the pass system, the traffic light system, the QR code to enter buildings and go to events has been tested in China for the longest time. And of course, China has is one of the countries that managed to get through all of this without any vaccine whatsoever so china china is completely back to normal now with no vaccinations you know billion population plus but they're straight back to normal which makes you laugh because again there is more people there it's more populated it's more crowded uh the the general hygiene is not there as i mentioned before china is a china is a uh a civilization, unfortunately, that's known for spitting. And if you have a look at any forums from people that go to China, they will literally say the spitting thing is disgusting. And I've read some stuff on Reddit and I've read some stuff on uh, TripAdvisor and things like that on regards to why they do it. And it's very much deemed as just kind of a, a cultural, because the air is so disgusting out there in general, you get a, a film in your mouth, a taste in your mouth. And it's kind of one of those things because everyone does it, everyone else does it, and it's become a, a, a social norm over there to just spit all over the floor, to just spit anywhere. Um, but the notion as well that they've, uh, of course, they said, oh, well, they looked down extremely harshly and, and there was, uh, you know, zero, zero mercy in their lockdown. And that's why they don't have to have a vaccine now. It's because we locked down too late. What nonsense. You know, what absolute nonsense. You know, we we saw, you, you can't lock down, effectively, a country of billions. You, you just couldn't do that. You know, they can't lock down the UK with a much more smaller population, let alone a place like China. You couldn't do it. Even if you're being authoritarian uh, and, and ruling with the iron fist, you just couldn't do it. And, uh, you know, look at the Hong Kong protests, things like that. They couldn't stop them they couldn't stop the meats they couldn't stop things like doing that people don't care about the law especially when it starts affecting them and there is no way that they said look chinese citizens stay in your homes and don't come out and uh, that's it and everyone said yeah sure and no one come out no one mixed no one shopped no one did anything and they just got through the whole thing and there's no need for a vaccine now and of course all the variants the Kent variant, the Brazilian variant, the South African variant, the Nigerian variant. We're getting a, no variants in China. You know, not a single one. There's been no, there's been no mutations. There's been no nothing over there. 
And I think really what the case is, it's been a case of, look, we know that we've used you as the test bed for this entire system and platform. But when it comes around, we'll let you off. You know, we'll let you have your, have your culture as it is. Well, you won't have to take the vaccine. So in a way, there won't be eugenics going on where you are. You know, you, the, the past system that you've brought out will stay there. But again, many Chinese people accept it because it's been, around, it's been in, in its various phases for the last 20 plus years. But China had a set time when the social credit system had to be finished by it. And again, have a Google of this. It had to be completed by 2020. And alterations were allowed before then, but all the, all the sponsors, all the uh, associate agencies such as Alibaba had to be finished by 2020. And it was finished by 2020, just in time for what's going on right now. And China have another plan for 2030, which again coincides with Boris saying, oh, you know, 2030 is a goal. We want... Uh, all electric cars by 2030. We want this, you know, these uh, homes have to be heated in a different way by 2030, which is effectively, as I mentioned so many times, they don't want people driving. They're going to charge you a carbon tax if you drive your current car or a similar car that uses a fossil fuel of some variation. And um, it's going to make driving for you without an electric car just too expensive. Where you go, look, I can't afford this. Or maybe I can only drive once a week. I can't drive to work every day. And uh, what's the alternative? You buy an electric car, but you can't buy an electric car because what's the average price of an electric car? I dread to think. You know, it's obviously in the, the many tens of thousands. So you're kind of either stuck paying far too much that you can't afford to drive anymore, or you buy a, an electric car that you can't afford anyway. Because again, it's, it's always going to hit the poor. So you're effectively made that you can't drive. And again, that drastically reduces your independence and your ability to, to, to travel and your options and your family's options and all sorts of things. So, And the only people that can circumvent that are the rich because the rich can afford electric cars. Frustrating, isn't it? Really, really frustrating. But again, uh, climate is going to be the, uh, the, 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 the next great enemy. The, you know the silent killer essentially after after covid definitely um i think you've got to type in ULES and check your registration to see if your your car complies with it it's definitely coming very soon awful is it it's just um yeah it's just it's, it's i mean we round here around the area where i live they've suddenly started putting up this. Uh, there's a company that was in America called Spin. And depending where you are, because they're, they're currently doing trial, uh, like a trial project here in the UK, in about two dozen sort of central cities and towns as well. Uh, and what they are, they're, they're almost like Ubers. You know, they're electric scooters. Those are, you know, the, 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 the hazards that have been banned forever. And you literally walk up to it, you download the app, you scan the QR code on your phone, you put in your bank details, and you can jump on these scooters for an hour, two hours, you can rent them for a week. And when you're done, you just uh, leave them on the sidewalk and you take a picture to show that you left it in a safe place, um, standing up, and that's it. Then you just get charged for it. And it's no coincidence, again, that it's, they've kind of decided now to pop up. And driverless cars are being... 
you know, Tesla and the, the push for Tesla and driverless vehicles being pushed now is not a coincidence. You know, the technology isn't quite there right now. Make no mistake, it's not a, it's not a case where you will be able to get a driverless car now. And, of course, the World Economic Forum has you covered with that because they've already said, you know, what did they say in their advertisement? You'll own nothing and be happy. Everything you need, you'll rent. And in the uh, the Happen Network's new normal video, which I mentioned is on BitChute, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, but again, please check it out, new normal by the Happen Network, which is spelt exactly like the word, H-A-P-P-E-N. They went specifically over self-driving vehicles. And there's a chap on stage who literally has a book uh, called, what is it, um, Growing Technology in the Fourth Industrial Revolution in the wake of COVID-19 as well. And he wrote a book and done a speech where he said, look, eventually cars are going to be able to drive themselves and your car is on your drive. You only statistically drive your car 4% of the time. The other 96% of the time, your car is just sitting on your driving, in your parking space, on your... On your um, on your drive, depreciating in value. He said, what a terrible investment where you only get 4% out of it. And he said, so what's a better option? Uber has been a great option, but he said the problem with Uber is you get drivers who you don't want to speak to. And, you know, he said, imagine that you don't care about the driver because there is no driver. And these driverless vehicles using AI will be able to drive in a way that humans will not be able to drive. They will be able to miss each other by a matter of millimetres because of AI precision, because of the smart cities they're in. And Boris Johnson made reference to smart cities just recently, said that the future is smart cities. And he said eventually what this is going to lead to is people not wanting to drive because they realise they cannot drive as accurately as these driverless cars. And eventually it's going to be argued that it's far, far, far safer for these driverless cars than you who can make who can be tired at the wheel, who can, you know, make a bad decision and be drunk, who can be distracted by a text message, none of which will affect these autonomous cars. And he said, and it won't be long after that before the government makes driving your own vehicle illegal. Which is something we saw in uh, I think you must have seen iRobot, Chris. Yes. But all the cars in that are driverless, aren't they? You know, and there's a bit where he's going through the, uh, he's going through a tunnel and uh, a big truck full of all the uh, the robots pulls up yes. and he takes manual control of the car and the car's like, this is not a good idea, you know, and he's like, shut up and manually drives the car. But apart from that, it's self-driving cars everywhere. So it has been really programmed into us of, of the, the self-driving vehicles. Um, but anyway, the, the, the people that were watching this talk Said so. Are you saying in the um, in the future that driving will be illegal and that we, you know, effectively the car's going to be autonomous? I think he said in the next. The chap said in the next what twenty twenty five years is going to happen, and the guy said in the future, but it's not going to be twenty five years. We're talking five to ten years. We're going to see this, which again falls right in place with China's plan for 2030, with Boris's plan for electric cars to be the norm in 2030. And again, there are, it also showed in the documentary how they are right now in China. They have an entire 
city that has a, a effectively an Uber service that is driverless cars. And the company has several thousand employees and at the minute the um the kind of project is only you can only utilize it if you're one of the employees, you get the free rides. But you just open an app, you summon the car. He said that there's so many of them that you'll only ever have about a 30, 30 to sixty second wait before a car pulls up for you. And again there's no driver. And it means that there because there's no driver, there's no wage to pay. And because there's no wage to pay, you can actually get somewhere extremely cheap and far, far cheaper than owning your own car, which is going to depreciate. So, again, there's a, there, is a, there is a plan for this. And the climate change is going to be around for a lot of it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's terrible. And, of course, the climate change will be constant through it. When these cars come about, they'll be like, look, these cars only take journeys that are necessary. They don't do all the journeys that you do. You know what I mean? They don't drive to the shops. They don't drive to the park where you could walk there instead of drive there. They don't do all this stuff. All under the guise that it's us that's completely ruining the planet and the planet is in some dysregulation in this state of complete, well, bordering annihilation, which is just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. It really, really is. Frustrating. But uh, again, the notion that these timelines, 2020, 2025, 2030, Agenda 20 and Agenda 2030, are just coincidental is nonsense. And as Nathan has said, there are these buzzwords such as sustainability, which we'll hear an awful lot of, um, that will come up on there. Actually, I have an article which I was going to jump in a little bit later because it's down the, the, the list, but I'm going to bring it up now because it's the perfect time to do it. Eco-warriors, um, army to lead battle to go green and will become even more efficient, top brass vows. This is in the sun. So the army has made a resolution to be more green and uh, environmental. Um but this bit struck me as, as quite curious. So if any of you look into Bill Gates, you know Bill Gates is now the, I think he's either the largest or he's the second largest private landowner in, if not the US, the world. So he has been buying up so much farmland, more farmland than any man would ever possibly need for any reason. Also talking about maggot burgers and God knows what else more of Bill Gates' sustainability. But he's obviously preparing for some kind of shortage or famine, and the, the, the sheer amount of land he's buying is consistent with growing crops and growing food. It isn't consistent with, I just want land to put my house on. Again, he owns more than some of the biggest agricultural companies own in the, in the thousands and thousands of acres where they do grow crops to feed cattle, and pigs and such for livestock consumption. Um, so when I read this, the MOD's new eco team said, as the planet heats up, it will lead to more violence and fewer resources across the entire planet, including food shortages. And we've heard few food shortages mentioned so many times, so many times. And uh, obviously, I, 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 I do feel... I have people that, that combat this, but this is how I feel. When this all kicked off, someone sowed the seed about toilet paper. And all of a sudden, you couldn't get toilet paper everywhere. Now, it was probably people buying it up. But at the same time, there was stuff that should have come back in stock that didn't. And stuff that, that again, it didn't make sense for it to not be there. Because it's stuff that people weren't looking for. 
and it just wasn't there. So it feels like, and then what did supermarkets say? They said, we're going to prioritize certain foodstuffs and we're going to limit the amount of items we stock because we, with all the demand, some foods are no longer important, certain foods are, and you're going to have a much, much limited choice on what you're going to buy. And I think they said something that there were about something effectively, there were about 12 different brands of sausages you could buy and they limited down to one brand. So you could only for the longest time buy just the one brand instead of your choice of 12, regardless of flavor or nutritional content or any of those (coughs) conflating factors. It was literally as simple as you are buying these if you want sausages. And again, what's to stop them doing that with everything? What is to stop them just saying you will only buy this brand of rice, this brand of fish, this, this pasta, this cheese, this milk, all of which is stuff they, they control. And especially if there is a global food shortage, you're not going to have much food anyway, let alone a choice of all different options. You are just going to have option A, option B. And uh, I, I'm fairly sure I know what the option is. I don't think I brought this up last week. I'm fairly sure I didn't. So KFC have just signed uh, into an agreement with a big Russian food company who said that they can 3D print KFC's chicken nuggets now. So they are able to take um, either blood, fat, muscle tissue from cells grown in a lab and they're able to grow them to such an extent they then break them down and they can 3D print your food. So they will get a big gelatinous vat of gunk, pink slime as it used to be referenced. And then they can put it into a 3D printer as you would print a plastic model. And they will be able to print you food. And they showed you dealings with this company. And they, they would make, most of their food was just cubes. Literally just cubes. So it looked like an ice cube, but it might have been beige or red. And they're like, oh, this one is salmon. Or, you know, this is tomatoes. And it's, again, there's no tomato in it. It's just artificially made GMO food that's 3D printed. And what the company was also doing, they were also printing food that looked like the food. So if you can imagine, this is the best way to, to, to give you a, a visual representation without obviously you seeing it. So if you can imagine like a piped icing, you know, if you were going to write on a cake, they were 3D printing what was just the outline of, say, like a fish, you know, like a, a, a cartoon fish, if you will, you know, or, or a chicken or a cow. Uh, and it looked like a biscuit. It was wafer thin. And he'll be able to put that in your mouth. And the guy would crunch it on the newsboard and go, oh, it tastes just like beef. And he's like, it is beef. You know, it's 3D printed beef. So, And this was like a blue biscuit. You know, and he goes, this, this doesn't have the colours in it. And obviously we would try and make it look more like steak. So when it's served to you at a restaurant, and then they went and interviewed people outside KFC. And they said, would you eat 3D printed meat? And people were like, do you know what, if it tastes the same? Yeah, of course I would. <laughs> yeah, I'd eat 3D printing. Because we're not killing a chicken to do it. So I feel better about that. It's more environmentally conscious because we're not using land that we have to use to grow cattle and feed cattle. Um, and yeah, if it tastes the same, yeah, I'll eat it. I don't care if it's what, what it's made of, it's made of lab in here, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, your KFC chicken nuggets in the future will be made on a printer. Uh, and and uh, delicious. Again, there's so many, there's been so many uh, what do you call it, investigations into GMO crops where they've made crops from crop cells and grown them and soy and corn are notorious for this kind of thing. 
where GMO soy, for example, has been behind when soy usually being such a healthful food and having so many health benefits, and when it's a GMO version, actually leading to worsening health and many, many health issues. And much of the soy in America is GMO. Uh, and that's Bill Gates has got his hands in a lot of... I think Bill Gates and Monsanto have something to do with each other, but I'm not 100% sure to what degree, but Bill Gates is definitely a, a sponsor or involved with Monsanto and some of them will chase it up perhaps next week and read into it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Chris has just got a picture of uh, some what looks like a, a 3D steak print on his phone. But um, Looks like a glowy toy. It does, doesn't it? It looks disgusting. Well, people eat that. It looks, yeah, it looks disgusting. And it even showed you how, although it's all the same stuff, they were putting dyes in the stuff. So, for example, they were like, "You look at this, this, uh, this rash of bacon we're making. We're replicating the fatty streaks that bacon has." So, uh, but it looked, it honestly looked like play doh. It looked like a child had made play doh into spaghetti strand like like strings, and he was just printing, you know, just pushing it together. It was horrendous. But you can go on YouTube and you can actually watch them print food, or food in inverted commas, should I say, because it's not edible and clearly not safe for human consumption. Uh, but this is the way. This is the the, the future. Um, and and being vegan myself, this. It, do you know what? I've been vegan for a couple of years and it only in 2019 and 2020 did vegan stuff start exploding everywhere. So all the big chains, Burger King and uh, Subway and McDonald's in America um, started doing vegan menus, vegan, you know, vegan was everywhere. Vegan burgers, vegan steaks, vegan meats, vegan, all this kind of stuff. And um, it did make me kind of think, why now all of a sudden has veganism had such a... Because we still only represent about less than 0.5% of the population. So there isn't a massive market in veganism at all whatsoever. But what it did is when people started seeing it, it started normalising the idea that your meat could be made from different things. And if it tastes the same, then accept it. Now, the only caveat to that is that lots of vegan meats, mock meats and things like that, are still made from soy protein. So they're not 3D printed. They're not made from cells. It is soybeans that are ground down uh, and somewhat processed into something that resembles or more resembles meat, should I say. So although it's a processed food source, it's still a, a, a natural food source that has been reconditioned, for want of a word. Um, but again, they're trying to get in people's minds sustainability and saving the environment and look at this it isn't a meat but it is a meat you know this isn't there's no there's no steak in this there's no beef in this but it's beef and it feels frustrating because i realize that the only reason the movement has been driven forward so much and big big chains that are owned are suddenly investing like kfc investing in vegan food is nonsense because the vast, vast, vast majority of KFC's clientele are there for fried chicken. And they have managed to exist for several decades on that model. And all of a sudden they feel the need to expand into vegan foods. It's, it's, again, it's not about that. It's about sowing the seed now of sustainability of foods that are not foods but can be foods and get it in your head and getting you to accept it and feel like it's normal normals all the way um 
Yeah, but uh, we've said so many times about them spraying stuff in the atmosphere with the chemtrails. Um, and again, geoengineering, which is the official name for it, is about trying to slow down climate change and slow down the heating of the planet by spraying atmospheric particles. And the various health effects they've had have been noted and raised up, but no one seems to want to do anything about it. And uh, this is just another step. This is the, uh, the, the kind of age of revelations, isn't it, where they're effectively coming out now with all of this stuff in the open. They feel confident enough now that they don't have to hide behind buzzwords. They're going to say, yeah, we're going to spray stuff into the sky. It's, going to, it's about climate change. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, we, we, we're doing this. We're spraying. And, again, if you find out chemtrails now, and you, you can guarantee they're not chemtrails. They're doing it for you. The earth is too hot. You know, the polar bears are floating around in soup because there's no ice left. Um, but it's for you. It's to save you. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, who didn't who didn't see this one coming? This is from the Royal Society Journal. Scientists at Oxford University have suggested that people may need to have a coronavirus vaccination not once, not twice, but every time they want to travel out of their home country. No way. So I mentioned last week now that they've said that they're now they're considering free vaccinations now. First of all, just for the over seventies, but uh, it's going to roll down. Obviously, free vaccinations up from two. And uh, now they're saying because effectively coronavirus is just going to incessantly mutate. Um, when you go to a country, there's going to be a new strain there that you don't have in the UK. If you know, say you're traveling from the UK, you come back, you might bring that new strain back that you're going to, every time you leave the airport vaccination, every time you leave the, the airport in the other country vaccination, and it's just going to be endless vaccinations, which is why, just why, why would you do it? But there you go. Um, so, so every every time you want to go holiday, you have got to take another one. Yeah, isn't that too many then? Well, apparently, you know, apparently with the current vaccines, as long as they're timed a certain distance apart, it should be fine. But again, they'll find some reason for why that has to happen. Maybe it's a micro dose. Maybe it's more of a booster than a you know because obviously with the vaccine passports, the goal is you have to have your vaccine to fly. So maybe you have to have your vaccine to fly, and when you get there, you just have to have a booster shot. Maybe it's, oh, when did you have your vaccine? Oh, I, I had mine two months ago. Oh, okay, well, you know you have to get them at least every three months. Oh, I do. Okay, well, we're going to give you a booster because you might – there is some research that says that the efficacy tends to drop off over the time you've had since your last vaccine. So, you know, when you got it, it might have been 90%, even though Matt Hancock the other day came out and said that they could be as low as 50% efficacy now. Um you'll be on the tail end. So it was 90% when you've got it. And it might be dwindling now, so it might be closer to 60 or, or maybe even 50. So we'll give you a booster before you go. Um, you can actually, it will, it will go on your record, so they'll know you've had a booster, but it just means you're right up to date on current immunity. And you can you can see it. You can hear it. You know you know it's something that they've got on a record. But again, when have they ever done it? When have they done this with flu? When have they done this with anything? You know, when you go to a country where you have your, your everyone goes, oh, well, yellow fever, you know, it's not the first time immunity fever is yellow. I hate the yellow fever argument because it's just bankrupt of any logic whatsoever. But you don't have to have another yellow fever booster when you come back to the UK. And when you land in the UK, you don't have to have another booster again and again. You just have your vaccine and you're vaccinated. It's not dozens of different boosters on your trip. Madness. Um, 
Absolutely. It is, isn't it? And I mentioned this to my partner a little while ago. I said the only people, this, this, is, this is eugenics in its best sense, but the only people who can live a normal life now, uh, and this isn't going to affect, is the rich. Because the rich can afford private planes. And if they don't have their own private plane, they can pay private companies that the rest of us can't afford. You know, if I want to go on holiday and I get my plane ticket and they say, right, your plane ticket is £1,500 to go to somewhere where I normally pay, you know, say I go to Turkey. Like, if I go to Turkey for two weeks, you know, we'll, on average we'll pay maybe 400 500 maybe £600. If all of a sudden they said, oh, just for your flight it's £1,500, let alone your accommodation and everything else, I would say, well, I can't afford that. I can't afford to go there. And that's that's one of the cheaper places, you know. Even if you're... you're trans state in america flight which is you know they're 50 dollars or 100 dollars goes up to 500 dollars. again you're not going to fly there but the people that can drop 1500 pounds on a ticket and not care about are the rich you know they're not going to care about that in their private companies um and the same with bezos you know they're saying no jab no job well who doesn't have to care about that zuckerberg doesn't have to care because he's a ceo and the people that work directly under zuckerberg doesn't care because he's happy to have them there without having the vaccine you know the guys at the at the low level the guys who work in the you know the the facebook call center or the data center or whatever the low level employees of facebook are the customer service effectively they're going to have to get the vaccine but the more you move up the less likely you are to have it and it creates uh, a a, a two-tier society where the rich people who are at no risk of losing their job, who can afford extravagant flights and extravagant holidays and all this stuff, they will never ever have to have the vaccine because they just don't need to have it. They have disposable income that allows them to sidestep all of that. And they have a job where they can't be threatened out of it because they own it or they're high enough in the company to not be affected by it. Um, the NFL has said that they will not require the players or any coaches to get the COVID-19 vaccinations. In one, in one hand, I'm like, you know what, awesome, fantastic. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, that works out really well for them because they make several, many of them are on, you know, NFL players are on either hundreds of thousands of pounds a year or millions of pounds a year, same as footballers. So it's another case of the rich not having to get the vaccine. And if they did make them, it wouldn't matter anyway. So it's kind of a, a, an empty movement. But yeah, interesting. Some again, some part of me likes that, some people don't. Um, this from the Telegraph Boris Johnson, Emmanuel Macron, and Angela Merkel have proposed a global pandemic treaty akin to that forged after the Second World War. They said that there's going to be needed a, a documented global cooperation amongst all the states to handle the post pandemic world. And reading that, it sounded very, very much like a a one-world government, like a, a technocracy, which is something we've said, or the truth community has said. You know, hell, even Alex Jones said it. You know, the 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 shield that Alex surely is has said that the goal is a one-world government, one currency, one government, one rules, one world. And he said, you know, why do you think that that is is seeded into you through conditioning so much you know we've we're all one people we're all one one love you know all this kind of stuff the notion of being one is a sexy to 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 accept this this singular government 
this singular elite, this singular system, this singular currency. And, uh, yeah, it, it kind of goes to show, you know, this, as Nathan mentioned before, so many of these financial systems that completely control the world today and the commissions, the EU commissions, things like that, were set up after the war. And obviously it told us how the wars were effectively coordinated and planned so that these institutions could rise out of the ashes from them and be ready for the new system. So when they're saying, right, we need a, we need a global system to come in to handle the post-pandemic world, it does really make you think that they're up to something with this one. It's really, um, really uncomfortable. And uh, probably last but not least, I hate this guy. I really do. Irreversible easing of lockdown and a return to total normal is not achievable, says Tony Blair report. That was in the Times. Uh, this guy again. Why it's is getting he, boring now. It is getting boring. Why has he popped up? just out of nowhere so he's got any kind of I mean who is he absent his previous position which he did poorly why would we trust the guy that led us into uh, Afghanistan and Iraq on intentionally false information I think he's uh, he's wanted then isn't it he should be wanted Mm. he should be wanted for war crimes because that is literally what he's about but it it's you can tell he's going to eat his way back in, isn't it? You can tell. I mean, when this is over, not over, but when they're on to the next stage and the election's going to I can't see Boris being re-elected because of what's happened. And there doesn't really seem to be a politician on the scene at the minute who is looking to take the place. You know what I mean? When, when David Cameron had it, uh, or, or Gordon Brown or whatever order they came in, all the same, you know. There was they're, they're all buzzing around, and when David Cameron was there, people were saying, or, again, or Gordon Brown, people were saying, well, this person is clearly next up, you know. And then we had uh, uh, Theresa May, who was kind of like, oh, Theresa May can, uh, can jump in. And then Boris was cited as, as the next mayoral candidate, you know, when Theresa May was kind of winding down. And... Um, Again, right now with how Boris is, there doesn't really seem to be anyone who's on the scene who's really looking to to kind of feel the place. Um, makes you laugh, doesn't it? It's uh, I, I feel like Tony Blair is, is just seeding himself now or they're seeding Tony Blair on you to get you to accept the idea um, of, of his re-emergence. Very akin to with Biden... Trump has said that he's going to run again after Biden. And it wouldn't surprise me if he was re-elected because obviously Biden is doing such a terrible job. Um, it would it would kind of... Did you ever hear... So this was years ago. This was... I think Pepsi did this. So Pepsi had a, 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 a drink, like their classic recipe, if you will. And then they took that recipe away and they put a inferior recipe out and they didn't do it by accident they did it in purpose and then everyone begged for classic pepsi to come back and then they held off for a long time and they finally released it and sales went up massively when before they were kind of stagnant or in the decline somewhat so people were only getting what they always had but where they lost it for a while and the 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 hype caught on people like we want classic pepsi back 
And that feels so much what they're doing with America. You know, they're giving you Trump and Trump was very divisive. And then they're going to give you Biden, who is going to be an absolute car crash in every regard. And obviously all the stuff about election rigging, they're going to let you know that he got in perhaps fraudulently and he's also going to be absolutely terrible. And again, that's why straight away he's jumped into war with Syria, again, bombing Syria again, which is not something you would do. And again, in four years or however long, they're going to roll out, you know, new and improved Trump. Like he's back. And all these people that didn't back him before are going to be like, do you know what? I didn't back him. Then Biden come in. I didn't realize how good Trump was until we got Biden. And then we'll bring him back in. And it, it, it seems that with Tony Blair, they're going to leave it, or they have left it long enough for people to forget what he did. And his lies and involvement in the, the, essentially the, the 9-11 and the project for a new American and the UK century, as it turned out to be. And uh, they're going to leave it long enough and then they're going to reinvent him almost like pie face gates. You know, you know the, 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 the level of hatred towards that guy at one point was danger level. You know, he was, he, obviously he went under, uh, went into court and faced many, uh, what would you call them? I don't know what I'd phrase them as. Uh, many detractors, basically, for Microsoft's merciless monopoly of the entire software department. That that entire literally crushed companies down and made it so they couldn't grow and done all those kind of things. Uh, and he was brought up for that and really given a bad name, and then obviously disappeared. And now he's you know old Papa Gates, you know, older, but he's you know caring and uh, he's a philanthropist now, and he's you know, behind the vaccine rolls out in Africa and India and look how many lives he's saved and he's all about sustainability and saving the environment and putting chalk in the air and God knows what else. And he's reinvented himself, very similar to how uh, I think the Rockefellers did when they reinvented themselves because uh, they did some disgusting stuff, as we've covered before with some of the, the crimes they've gone through and they've actually hired PR departments and I think um, it was Hearst Hearst Media, who they worked with to kind of reinvent themselves. But I don't want to... I can't see Tony Blair come back. He better not. He better not. Yeah, we will take him out. Us here at the uh, Ideas of Bulletproof podcast, we'll chase him down <laughs> and stop him from coming in. Come back, Tony! Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, I, I, people will... Again, if, if, if Boris comes to term and there's no one there... But Tony Blair, people are not going to vote Boris in because of what's happened and how they feel he is complicit in it. So really, if they don't give you an option, again, you're only picking up of the the selected, not elected they present to you, which is, um, I don't know. I don't want to see him back. I, I really don't want to see him back. Oh, I think we put the world to rise, guys. We haven't solved hay fever, though, and that seems to be the prevailing evil that we need to... I've suffered today. <laughs> <laughs> I've suffered. Just I've watched, for, for, for those of you, obviously, who are not here, uh, I normally sit across from Chris, and uh, the, the times he's actually had his eyes open, I could probably count on one hand. I've seen the anguish. I've seen, you know, most people have coronavirus, 80% asymptomatic. They don't know if they've got it. And again, most people that have had it and actually had symptoms, a very rare few, is it not? It's just a bad cold. That was it. I've seen Chris in a bad way tonight. 
It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Okay. I, I, I can't even breathe out my my right nostril. The whole the whole show. No, it's, it's bad. We this is what we need to crack down on. We need to form the uh, the hay fever. Come on, passport science, scientists. Come on, come on, come on, can, Sage. Come you on, can, we can do it. Come on. I think Matt Hancock can do it personally. Of course, man. Matt, what? Matt, Matt Cock? Yeah. Did you see, uh, I'll just say this before we go, did you see he did a little um, verbal faux pas where, you know, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that Dr. Vernon Cole said that those who have the vaccine will effectively become walking laboratories for these much more deadly pathogens. Yep. And that us as the unvaccinated need to stay away from the vaccinated because they are going to be massively hazardous to us. Well, he was talking earlier and he said that when people don't social distance, they're severely limiting the vaccine from spreading. And again, he could have, again, it could have been a slip of the tongue and he meant virus and said vaccine by accident. But he said, if you meet up in groups, um, you're going to prevent the uh, the vaccine from spreading properly or germinate. It, it just it, it's doing the rounds on Twitter right now, and lots of people are going, "Oh, he just said it by mistake, wrong word, by becoming these easy mistakes." But we know Bill Gates before said, "If we vaccinate everyone, if we push contraception, if we do this, if we do that, we can lower the world's population by ten to fifteen percent." You know, if we make the right moves, we can lower the population by fifteen percent. Uh, Wait, don't you mean increase? Well, that that was yeah, that was lower. <laughs> huh? I think he was. I think huh? what he wanted to say was we could lower deaths by ten to fifteen percent, but he slipped up and said, "Oh, we'll lower the world's population by." Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's again. He, it's a little. Uh, it's a little nugget for you to find yeah. for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. I think deaths and population are two different words. Yeah, Completely, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the people watching it who knew did their own clap then just stood up and was like, well done. Yeah, well done, Bill. And they, none of them saw it either. None of them said anything. We just got away with it. Ah, here we are again. Incredible. Yeah. Um, any closing thoughts? Any, uh, Little Nas's um, Satan shoes. Oh, yeah. We got to hit that next episode. Definitely. Definitely. That's, um, I think we should do, I think we're about due the episode of maybe maybe not a maybe not a deep deep dive maybe not a super deep dive but maybe a little toe in the water yeah in regards to some of the symbolism we've seen recently like flagging some of the big cases of it that it might be a good might be time might be time to that's a good one to start on with it is yeah, yeah. we'll get we'll leave that as a cliffhanger as a penultimate nugget for this episode so you you're like what's this about satan shoes oh you'll find out next week sounds like the end of uh every good tv series find out on the next episode <laughs> ideas are bulletproof anyway you'll find out next week so stay tuned um as always from chris from myself we hope you had a a good listen hope you've learned something tonight and uh, again take anything we said Fact check it yourself, have a little Google of it, chase down these links and, and use them uh, as your armament. Use them as your weapons 
because people when you try and wake them up are going to be like prove it and then bring the power to them bring them all this stuff bring them so much stuff that they literally cannot doubt what you're saying it's too in their face there's too much stuff there and again you bring that to them and then we'll keep bringing it to you and keep arming you as long as you keep listening uh it's been a pleasure as always and we will be back next week take care take care everyone